good evening. Welcome to episode 19 of Owl and Fowl's Norwich City Football Club We Meet Again series. This is the podcast where we look back at the history between Norwich City and our next opponents, which is Red and Fowl. You know that, don't you? A little birdie told me pre-match. Oh, yeah. Yes, my lovely wife, Libby, who's from Redden, let the cat out of the bag, didn't she? She was very excited to tell Fowl all about her first ever date was at Elm Park in Redden. Yep. Wasn't with you, and was it? That's it wasn't, you. no. I was still hanging around in Holston in those <laughs> days. So she was, yeah, very pleased to tell Fowl that story. Didn't realise that we kept this a little secret and Fowl didn't know who our opponents were. Although you tend to guess it now, don't you? And I was thinking the more of these we do, the less teams there are left in the hat to cover so you can almost work it out now can't you this is it there's not many left is there i think qpr must be one of them yeah um, qpr yeah. come on Fowl. you're on a roll now i was just I was trying to who think are... who else we've got to play reading is obviously one of them so 19 there's 23 isn't it, everybody so there's four more so reading yeah 19 qpr say 20 yeah i can't think now you've got the f- five second no uh, why wigan they're not in the league are they no, you're clutching at straws now, Fowl. We'll keep that a mystery. Okay, good day. I mean, obviously, you'll be straight on Google after this anyway. Could just look at the league table, couldn't uh, I? Yeah. yeah. Fowl, I was just going to mention, I believe there's a few fans allowed in Carrow Road. Yeah. Have you tried to get any tickets? No. Uh, so what I hear is a ballot, and I think there's about 2,000 people. But from what I understand, looking at Twitter yesterday, and bearing in mind this is the day before the Sheffield game tomorrow, there's still quite a few tickets left, actually. I don't think... They've been madly snapped up. And I think it's a combination of a few things. I think, obviously, season ticket holders like myself, we're still paying for our season ticket, which is going towards next season. That's fine. But obviously, we get the game to watch on TV. There's only going to be few people in the stadium. The risk of, like, infection is still there. And also, it's 30 quid a ticket, which I thought was quite a lot. I mean... I'm not arguing with the club. They have to finance it, you know, and it's a big yeah. deal. And I think the Luton game, which we had on Wednesday night, I understand that Luton, by having those fans in, lost a huge amount of money. I think they said they lost tens of thousands of pounds for the cost of oh, having... Okay. Yeah, the cost incurred by having those fans in the ground was nowhere near yeah. recouped by having those few fans in the ground. So it's very good a ticket. So I think a few people are thinking that, you know, well, we'll wait this one out a bit. Yeah, wait until where you've got a significant number of fans there and it becomes more like a, a proper day out exactly. watching the football. Yeah, yeah, so you kind of got like a proper stadium and the chanting going on, which we all look yeah. forward to sometime soon. Yeah, and uh, well, I was thinking, surely now there's fans at Carrow Road, shouldn't you be outside trying to promote the podcast? So maybe <laughs> handing a few flyers out? Do you think so? Yeah, but I have to do it. Yeah. I, I can't get within two metres of people though, can I? I'd have to get one of those, you know, those <laughs> stick things you used to pick litter up. I'd have to be handing cards yeah. out of them, wouldn't I, around the stadium? <laughs> so, like, yeah, good point. Good point. I forgot that crucial um, element to that. So, fair enough, Al. You've given me a valid excuse for not doing that. And obviously, <laughs> too much snow as well, isn't there, for you to travel up to Carroll Road? Could be dangerous, yeah, making that journey. Yeah. Any other promotional route we could go down? I was thinking, do you like the idea of shirt sponsors? Maybe we could get onto the third kit next season. This is it. I like that. <laughs> but if we don't go up, we're really going to have about three podcasts next year. So probably, the, you know, the, the cost incurred will be about £10,000 an episode. Yes, but I'm very optimistic. I'm looking at us being up when we're big time in the Premier League. You know, I think uh, that's going to do our profile wonders, isn't it? 
I think so. I think it'll be good for us. Absolutely. You know, I, I cannot wait for that to happen. But I'm feeling optimistic still. I think we should do right this season. Yeah. Next up, Phil. I lived there for 10 years. So, yeah, quite excited about doing this episode. Looking forward to it. I know many Redden fans, actually. Obviously, my wife's from Redden. I met her whilst we were working in Redden. I've probably seen Redden play Norwich more than any other club. I've had yeah. a right mixed bag of results, some of which we'll talk about later. Now, probably the lowest point is I remember, I think it was the season they won the league. I remember leaving at half-time foul. I'm going to confess to you here and now. We were 4-0 down, absolutely no chance of us getting back into the game at all. It was one of those dismal games in a, a very dismal period of time for Norwich. And I couldn't take it anymore, foul. I left at half-time. Are you still speaking to me? I'm a bit annoyed about that. Was it at the Majeski, was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not something... You wouldn't do that, would you? No, I've never done it. I've, you know, um, well, I have left early once for a game, only once in my life. And ridiculously, it was when we were at home playing Man United and we were winning 1-0. I think it was the game, I'm pretty sure it's the game where... Um, Pilkington and, header. Yeah, Pilkington header from the Harvey Agredo yeah. cross. And ridiculously, it, I didn't even leave that early. I had to leave about, just as it was sort of like about 88th minute, because I had a gig with my band that night, and it was a late tur kickoff, and I just had to get back, and I had to beat the rush out of the Carrow Road, and literally ran back. And as I was on the way out, obviously we were 1-0 out, and I was just literally apologising to everyone. I was like, I'm, I'm not a Man United fan, I just have to go. This is so annoying. <laughs> and as I was making my way out of Carrow Road, out to Barclay, turn left alongside the city stand, I heard this massive groan, like, oh, and I was like, what's happened? What's happened? <laughs> but it turned out that I think it was Johnny House and Mr. One-on-One. Like, Man United were uh, okay. pushing, and we caught him on the counter, and Johnny House and Mr. One-on-One. And I can remember running up back towards Trouse on the phone to my mum, and I was like, mum, 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 what's happening? What, what's the football score? She's like, what do you mean? What do you mean, what's the football score? It's like, Norwich score. It's like, I knew at the game. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, but no, but I can't explain. Just tell me what the score is. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I'll look on CFAX. I'm like, Mum, it's like 2011. CFAX doesn't exist. Look on the internet. <laughs> and anyway, obviously, we got over the line and won it. So that was the result. The only game I've ever oh, left early for. So I am disappointed I've, with you. I've got no excuses, Phil. I mean, I, I lived in Redden at the time. So it wasn't like I had, I probably didn't even drive. So it wasn't like I had to beat the traffic. Despondency. Yeah, when you're young, you make these foolish mistakes, don't you? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So when was that then? I can't, I can't remember exactly... It would have been around about sort of the mid 2000s. So probably, you know, we were on that spiral decline. It would have been around about that. Another game I remember, Norwich Redden. This is a bit more of a comical tale. My friend Nick, who's not a Norwich fan, he came down to Redden for the weekend for the beers and went along to the game with me and another mate. And he didn't realise that, He's not a football man. He didn't realise in football grounds that you could only drink in the concourse. Right. So he went down probably about 30 minutes, not even at half time. He went down to get a few beers in, ready for half time. So he was prepared to sacrifice 50 minutes of the game in order to beat the queue and start drinking. But what he didn't realise is, like I say, you can only drink on the concourse. So he got the beers on the tray and brought them up into the stand. Stewards didn't spot him, so he was walking to the seats where we were sitting with a tray of beers. Right. And this gets clocked by the um, home fans and the boisterous home fans 
were quite near the away end. Yeah. Um, and I believe there was a chant of, get the beers in, get the beers in, get the beers in for the lads. <laughs> uh, a couple of stewards are then cottoned on to this and were racing after him and it, it all got a bit confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, another memory of a, a Reading game. But there's been so many I've been to. There's probably games I can't even remember now, Phil. So obviously I mentioned Libby's from Redden. Her mum still lives in the Redden area. Or a little village called Tokus Green. Have you been there, Phil? No. No. I've, <laughs> I have been to Reading twice, actually. And I actually have been to Reading away. And that was under Glen Roder, a game you lost 2-0. Uh, you may even have been there. It was near Christmas. It was around this time of year. It was when I was still playing hockey. And it was close enough to Christmas that the hockey season was on a break. And me and Rob went up to watch the game. And um, we lost 2-0. It was talking of injury problems. It was one of the games where we had Daryl Russell play up front as a, as a makeshift centre forward. Because oh we, no, that did things get that desperate? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and it was then no one. I mean, Daryl Russell is a good, solid midfielder. But yeah, good centre. You'd never play him up front, would yeah. you? even less suited than Stephen is to the role. Yeah, it was a game we actually played all right, actually. We didn't play badly, but we lost. And it was one of those things in the last 10 minutes, I think we conceded a fairly soft penalty, if I remember rightly. It was right in front of me. I remember Gary Doherty, with a particularly poor defensive header, led to one of their goals. I can't remember if it was a penalty or was put in, but we lost 2-0 and it was... It was just one of those games where we played all right, but never looked dangerous, like never. Did you stay until the final whistle? Phil? Yes, I did, yes. And as a result, uh, missed my train home and had to pay an extra 35 quid. So, you know, happy days all round. So, my turn to do a couple of shouts. Oh, you did them last week, didn't you? Okay, go for it. Like it, yeah. So, I'm going to give a shout to Libby's mum. Like I say, still lives in the Redden area. Helen Scores, who makes the effort to talk about Norwich to me whenever we see her. And a shout out to a good friend of mine and a Redden season ticket holder, Mr. Craig Brimble. I've been to many a game with Brimble. He's always turned up for the post-match beers afterwards. Excellent. Despite Redden may have taken a bit of a beating, but he's always there. Always shows his face, always takes defeat very well. Respect that. And he's always always very gracious in victory as well. And also his son Joseph now got a red and season ticket holder. It's a fair play. You know how hard it is for youngsters to swerve away from the big sides. Yeah. It's uh, a difficult thing, but Joseph's followed in his dad's footsteps. Last few seasons, they've come down to Bristol uh, for Red and Bristol City. I've met them up with, obviously, made a day of it down to Ashton Gate and watched Red and play. Uh, I remember the last time we went there, checking my phone for the Norwich scores and it was the dreaded day that we got stuffed at home to Aston Filler. Oh, yes. In the Premier League season. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was 3-4-0 at half-time. Yeah. And I was sitting in the Redden end at Ashton Gate watching Bristol City Redden that day. So I remember even being 200 miles away, that sinking feeling that Norwich had given me. I took Craig to Carrow Road. So he went to watch... Red and play at Carrow Road. It was during the Lambert promotion season. Okay. We did it in a day trip, unfortunately, so we didn't manage to make a night of it. I remember this It game. was the day, yeah, Grant Holt scored a late, late winner. And it was a bit of vindication, wasn't it? Because he got sent off, didn't he, in the previous game? He um, did, yeah. Because of um, some Ian Hart theatrics, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I was going to mention that game later, but let's talk about that 3-3. Now, that was probably one of the best games I'd seen for a long while, and probably a highlight during that season as well. I remember we stormed into a, I think, 2-0, and then it went 3-1. I remember Chrissy Martin hitting a great free kick, and we were 
so dominant, absolutely all over them. And I just couldn't see anything other than a comfortable win. I, I was thinking, you know, this could be four or five. I was absolutely loving it. And then we talked about this, I think, in the Stoke game this season, how fine margins and how games can hinge on the smallest thing. And this game hinged on Holt sending off. Yeah. Which got overturned, didn't it, I believe? Yes, I think so. If I'm honest with you, I didn't see the game live. I was actually... I've got into a little bit of trouble from mentioning cricket on this podcast, but this is even <laughs> worse. I was actually at Twickenham watching the egg chasing that day, uh, watching England versus Australia, and we won. That's where Chris Ashton scored that ridiculous like 90-yard try. Anyway, I can't talk any more about that because I'll get seriously, <laughs> you know, kicks out the footballing circles. But listen to it on the radio on the way back, and it sounded like we're dominant because it was on Sky, wasn't it? I think it was on TV. It anyway. was, yeah. I remember on the radio commentary, which obviously wasn't Radio Norfolk, but we were in London. That was even sort of like saying that wasn't a red card, and yeah, that it hinged on that moment. When I saw it live, I could understand why it was a red. It did look like he'd gone over the ball. Yeah. But obviously, as soon as you saw the slow-mos and the close-ups, yeah, it was it, there was nothing in it. But we went from a dominating that game to clinging on, you know, real backs to the wall that second half. I don't know how we came out of it with a draw. I think they got two goals in the space of a couple of minutes and then the last 20 minutes, you know, thankfully we had John Ruddy in goal. Yeah. There was a few games where he you know, really saved the day for us. And I remember coming out, and I'm sure you've been to games like that, where real mixed emotions from feeling so comfortable and so dominant to just being so relieved to get a pint. But yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think that game as well, didn't Russell Martin score? That's when he hit Russell Martin was an absolute peak and he scored an absolute belter that day, didn't he? It looked he like did, he, the Norfolk Cafu. Yeah, the Norfolk Cafu. Oh. It's funny, isn't it? Like games you just sort of dominate so much and then somehow end up like... I mean, Derby actually, the season we came up as well, Derby at home with the floodlight incident. There's a game really for like the first 45 minutes was as good as I've ever seen Norwich dominate a good side, if that makes sense. And then somehow yeah. like this, we ended up losing it. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's... Oh, by the way, Phil, um, Brimble likes cricket as well. Oh, excellent, so he, yeah. He's more than happy to listen to a bit of cricket chat. He actually went to the side of Derby with me. You know, I talked about Gloucestershire versus Somerset 2020. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the lads that came down for that. So next season, Phil, this summer maybe. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking get, forward get to it. Get yourself involved. We'll be up for that. So Redden, they were recently managed by, I would say, our greatest ever left back, Mark Bowen. Yes. And he in the summer. And I know a few Redden fans weren't particularly happy with that. I think he'd managed to stabilise them at the back end of last season. He didn't get a chance to sort of carry on with the job he was doing there, rebuilding the side. But a quick word, a bit before your time, but got to be Norwich's greatest left-back, would you say? Yeah, I think so. It's, he was at the start of my time, I'd describe him. Early 90s period, as I was getting into Norwich, really. Yeah, and he was excellent, wasn't he? Part of, obviously, the Bayern Munich side, and he was absolutely rock solid, wasn't he? I think him and Adam Drury are the two sort of you know, probably best left-backs we've ever had, aren't they, really, as I said? Yeah, I mean, certainly, obviously, we have to caveat that with players we've seen. So I'm sure we've had numerous left-backs throughout our history that could lay claim to that, but probably Mark Bowen because he did it consistently in the top flight. Yeah. And that's always a plus point for players of that era. When we're trying to compare Norwich sides, and we actually did it, didn't we, last season, we tried to come up with you know, our best ever Norwich side. And it was weighted towards, yeah, the old days, really, where these guys then went on to do it in the top flight. 
Exactly. Bring it back to Redden. So a couple of big moments in their history, actually. They had 13 consecutive wins at the start of the 1985-86 season, which I think was in the old third division, but I think that was a, a record in the English Football League Okay. at the time. I presume they went up, but I'm not too sure. <laughs> You'd hope so, wouldn't you? They then had, I think it's, again, a Football League record. They won the championship in 2005-2006 under Steve Koppel with yep. 106 points. Yeah, that's take some doing. I mean, it's, what, what did we finish on? 95, didn't we? So that's like 11 more than we got under Farker. And we thought that was like incredible, didn't we? Yeah, dominating to the extreme, yeah. I think they only lost one game that season. It was the first game at home to Plymouth. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that'll be beaten? Hard to see it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible record, actually. Will it be beaten? I mean, yeah. I mean, if the championship goes on for infinitum, someone will eventually get more than 106 points. But you've got to say that's a hell of an achievement, isn't it? That's going to be that's going to take some beating. I saw the game at Carrow Road that season, and they beat us 1-0, but we, we could easily have got a point. I remember we won a penalty, and I don't know if you remember this, but Dean Ashton took a a clash to the head and he was down for some time probably suffering from a bit of concussion and bizarrely after four or five minutes of treatment he got up to take the penalty right and put it wide and there was like rumors that he was seeing four or five goalposts and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i don't remember that but that would seem <laughs> i mean in, in this day and age if someone was down on the floor for four or five minutes of a head injury he probably wouldn't be yeah. even be allowed to carry on, would he? No, it, it was one of those points that yeah, kind of did stick in your mind and make you think, was that really the the best decision to make? No, exactly. So, Fal, last season, or not last season, last time we met them, yep. and how many times have we said this throughout this series? It was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? Do you remember the, the roller coaster at Carrow Road, the 2-2, towards the end of the... Oh yes, championship winning I season. Do. Yeah, I absolutely do. And that was, yeah, that was a bizarre game because Reading they didn't look great that day. They weren't they weren't a great side, but they fought for everything like hell. That was sort of fairly near the end of the season, wasn't it? Very near. And it was the was it the first of the four two two draws? It could well have been. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that one. They went one up. I don't know if it's mega early, but it's certainly first half, wasn't it? And um, How many buses did they park at the back? I mean, as many as they had all of Simmons there, didn't they? Like, parked across there. <laughs> and it felt like it just wasn't going to happen for us, didn't it? It just felt like nothing. And then, obviously, got to, like, the final 10 minutes, and I think Zimmerman popped up with a header, didn't he, uh, from a corner? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, no. Godfrey first, wasn't Godfrey it? Godfrey scored first. Absolute yeah. belt run. It's one of those ones where we really do miss... Godfrey actually as a defender, but a defender who could come forward as a footballer. That was a proper footballer's goal, wasn't it? That wasn't a centre half trying his luck. That was a proper footballer, proper talented footballer, um, absolutely hammering that ball in the top corner. And that was right behind me. That was one of those, sorry, right in front of me, obviously. And that was uh, one of those goals that I knew it was in before it, as it left his foot. I was really celebrating. I was like, that's happy days. And then just a few minutes. You'd have looked a bit foolish for that hit the bar. Yeah, no, well, that's true. And that did happen later on in the season. But um, And then obviously Zimmerman popped up a few minutes later, in 89th minute, with what we thought was the winner. And yeah. Carra Road was absolutely rocking. It was like, you know, when it's so much, everyone's just up and shouting and singing. You could feel the whole place vibrating. It was just absolutely rocking. And then literally, probably the last kick of the game, Reading scored an equaliser. 
And it was one of those things where it wasn't like people were booing or jeering. It was just dead silent. Well, that wasn't part of the script. And the Reading lads were going absolutely mad. Obviously, all the bench was out on the pitch and that sort of thing. And you could hear them shouting and a few Reading fans in the corner having a bit of a celebration. And we were just like, the rest of it just, it's just stunned silence. I've never heard it. Other than for like a minute's silence, I've never heard football fans be so quiet. And I don't think the fans minded from the point of view that we played pretty well that day. And we did everything we could, really. Yeah. It was just, they had two chances, they both went in, and it was just a little bit of kind of that frustration and starting to creep in, you know? Yeah. Fowl, I believe, and I stand to be corrected, but I'm sure I read something that was quite critical about maybe the celebrations after that soon goal. And I understand why they were so big. And I think a lot of players were involved with the bench and the subs and everything was going on. And I can't remember who it was, but maybe one of the ex-Norwich pros kind of said that that was almost a bit over the top and we didn't quite switch on for those last couple of minutes. I don't know if you think that was harsh or there was an element of that. I mean, maybe. I would also say that's a fairly obvious criticism that makes sense. It's always like, it's almost sort of a lazy criticism, yeah. isn't it? I don't know. I Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that, that it's... Could have been a factor, I mean, but... I, I mean, if we'd seen the game out, it would have been an irrelevant point, wouldn't it? Exactly. Um, to, to make, so. I mean, probably. Yeah, I mean, possibly. But how often do you see it? When a team sort of gets like a goal in the 88th minute, the opposition always get one chance after that. It just always happens because they've got nothing to lose, have they? And it's one of the few yeah. occasions where Reading were literally, after they got the goal in the first half, they were time-wasting throughout the whole match. Fair play for them. I mean, that that's football. I don't like it. You yeah. don't like it, but that is football. And usually what's happened, especially that season, is that that always comes back to haunt them because obviously you get five or six minutes injury time added on at the end. That comes back to haunt the team who are time-waiting. In this yeah. situation, it worked into their hands because we kind of didn't get the winning goal quite late enough. It was about two minutes too early. If it had been yeah. another couple of minutes, we'd have seen out the game. But because it was like the 89th minute, we still had probably six or seven minutes to hold on. And it just gave them enough yeah. time. They just had, well, nothing else to lose. Just keep launching it forward. Something dropped their way. I think Tommy Tribal maybe missed a tackle, if I remember rightly, uh, in right. one of his few mistakes that season. Yeah, maybe say Maybe that was a valid criticism. And you can't blame the team for celebrating like that. I mean, that... To come score two late goals to turn potential defeat into a win. Yeah. And a win that would have almost sealed our promotion. It would have made it very, very close. Yeah. Every team's going to celebrate, aren't they? Definitely. And so. I remember Daniel Farker actually saying after the game, he didn't actually rush in to console the lads. So they're going to be feeling miserable and devastated after that. And he sort of said that, you know, that's fine. Maybe they need to feel a bit bad after that, you know. So he kind of let them stew in it a little bit. So maybe he thought there's something in it, to be fair. We remember that game well, both of us. But funny enough, I was trying to think of the reverse fixture that season. So when we played them at the Majeski. Yeah, me too. And it was a game... <laughs> Sorry? Me too. I can't remember it either. Exactly. It's a weird one, isn't it? Most of those games are imprinted on my mind. You know, I, I can remember that and recall pretty much all of them. But this one, I had to... Confession time again, Fowl. I had to look it up. Well, weirdly enough, I can remember the one from the previous season where Madison scored. Yeah. And we won. I just don't remember that one. Well, not surprisingly, we won. Because we won most games that season. Yeah. We won 2-1. Pookie and Frenchitz got the goal, or goals. It was a midweek win. Probably why we didn't remember it is it came relatively early in the season. So it came on the 19th of September. And it was... 
the first game after the Middlesbrough wins. You know, we talked about when we beat Middlesbrough 1-0. Yeah. And that kind of kicked off our season. Well, Middlesbrough was on the Saturday and we then went to Redden on the Tuesday or Wednesday and got that win. And then I guess with the games coming so thick and fast during that period of time in the Championship, it's easy to, to have missed that one because we had some real standout results during that period. It's really important, actually, because... It was our first back-to-back win that season. So we obviously we beat Middlesbrough and then we went to Redden and beat them. And then it was our second in five consecutive wins. So important getting that run going. Was it the one? I think I might be getting confused with the QPR game. It's not the one where Pookie kind of chested it in, is it? I've got a funny thing. You're getting confused with the QPR game. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember it. <laughs> Foul, guess what? what? It's time to get in the time machine and go back a few decades. Okay. How are you feeling about it? Are you getting used to this now? I am. I just I just opened another beer. Just get on the go while you're having a little chat. <laughs> there you go. Okay, ready to go, yeah. Yep. Yep. Turn your TV down, fam. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bit of early controversy. So you don't mind a bit of controversy, do you? Love it. Yeah. In the FA Cup, even better. So our first meeting with Redden was in the 1909 FA Cup. Okay. And it took three attempts. So first game and a couple of replays to progress, which we did. It was a real big thing beating Redden because Liverpool were awaiting the winners in the second round. So obviously a, a massive carrot for both clubs. Now this game was very controversial because Redden refused to play at our ground, the Nest. And we've talked about the Nest right. on a few episodes now. And we've often mentioned about what a potentially dangerous and the sort of ground that just wasn't really designed for hosting football matches. Yeah. Now, Redden claimed that the pitch was too small and refused to play there. Really? Was, uh, because we have talked about the nest and its potential for injury due to the fact that two of the sides were cliff faces. So wingers yeah. got taken out and smashed into a lump of granite, whatever it was. But was the pitch too small? Was that a true statement? Well, the FA agreed with them. So that season, and I don't know if this is unique in FA Cup history. I don't know if other, any other clubs said to face this, but... The FA Cup said, okay, Norwich, you're allowed to remain in the competition, but you can't play any of your home games at the Nest. Wow. So, bizarrely, we played our home game against Redden. So, we played Redden twice at home in Inferta Commerce. The first home game against Redden was played at Stamford Bridge. Wow. It's getting more and more bizarre, isn't it, Paul? It is, yeah. And the second home game, so this would have been the, the second replay. Yeah. We played our home game at Filler Park. That's, that's I mean, <laughs> I, I know we talked about this previously when, you know, on the Coventry podcast, when we talked about where we'd go if we had to relocate. I mean, <laughs> Villa Park, that, I mean, there must be a football ground closer than <laughs> Villa Park. It was um, a strange way. To, we made our debuts at Stamford Bridge and Villa Park that season. It's the first time we'd ever played at those grounds. Was- so we could have picked a great a ground that we were at least slightly familiar with. It, we? it might have been easier to play at Reading, surely, to go to, to Villa Park. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, also, interestingly, so what happened to the league games? Were the league games that to be played there? Or? Well, yeah, good point, Phil. This actually only applied in the FA, the FA Cups, the Football Association. The Football League were happy for us to play league games at the Nest. Otherwise, it would have caused a a huge problem because you can't play your whole league programme at someone else's ground, can you? No, well, not easily. I mean, it has been done, obviously, but, I mean, not easily. I mean, that's Certainly not in 1909. No, I mean, transport links were a little bit 
you know, there was fewer cars and buses and planes around then, wasn't there? Exactly. It probably took three days just to get to Filler Park back then. Yeah. To be fair, we did manage to make our pitch a bit bigger. So I think that probably helped because we did play future FA Cup games at the Nest. So okay. the FA must have been happy with that. But you made a good point in that I was thinking a bigger pitch surely means less space between the pitch and the concrete wall yeah. at the side of it. So it probably made the ground more dangerous. Now, Reading did play at the Nest, so they played there in the league. They actually visited the Nest nine times during the course of our time there. I thought that was a real strange sort of sequence of offence. Do you think that's a bit of dirty tricks going on by Reading there in order to progress in the FA Cup, especially when Liverpool away sitting in the next round? I don't know, to be fair, I don't know if they knew that at that point. Yeah, Um I, Do you sense something? So, it's not- yeah, I mean, maybe they're probably look, football clubs, football teams, professional athletes in any sport will look to gain whatever advantage they can. So fair enough, and it looks like probably what they have done. At the same time, though, if the FA agreed with them, they, they obviously had a point. <laughs> it obviously was true. Have you refused to play again? Uh, yeah. Uh, for hockey-wise, I have. Yeah, when I was captain, we have a few times. Like, only in terms of more technical reasons, like they haven't provided an umpire, or if we've got the... Or you're hungover. Or hungover, yeah. Got had a few too many <laughs> beers before the game. Or, or stuff like, you know, you get there and the weather conditions aren't, you know, it's too windy and the goals are falling over. But, you know, there's never just one team. There's normally both teams saying, you know what, this isn't safe. But um, Sticking to the early days, there's another big first for Norwich and Redden were involved. Our first ever win in the Football League was against Redden. Excellent. Yeah, that first season where we progressed from the old Southern League into the Football League pyramid. I think it was our 14th game that season. So we began Slowly. the season with seven seven draws and six losses. Okay, good. Yeah, get some points on the board. But on the 6th of November... We finally got our first ever win in the Football League. So a big moment for the club, actually. We beat Redden 1-0 away. This was 1920-21. Okay, cool. Uh, it was our only away win that season, actually. And then our our second win in the Football League. Do you know who that came against? Really? It did, yeah, because this was in the days where they used to play the fixtures back-to-back. Back. Back back. We waited, what, three months for our first win? And then a week later, we got our second win. And again, that was against Redden. Sticking to the old days, I'm not going to go into this in much depth as we talked about this in the Coventry episode, but our first ever championship win to the 1933-34 season, first time we'd won Division 3 South title. Redden were one of our main challengers that year, along with Coventry. Redden finished third, so they didn't quite make it. But then I had a look at Redden's finishes in the seasons during that period of time and realised how unlucky they were. So listen to this, Fal. So after finishing third, they then went on to finish second, fourth, third, second, third, fifth, sixth and fifth. (laughs) And obviously didn't get promoted. No. Because there was no playoffs. Only the champions went up. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's a slog, isn't it? That is like getting... Three of your lottery numbers to come out, and then the next draw get the other three. It's like <laughs> you get like a tenner for it, and like you know, it should have been six million. Yeah, that's unbelievable, bad luck, isn't it? But you know, I suppose them was the rules. But yeah, you'd have thought. Here's the sting in the tail, Phil. So then the next season they were top. Yeah. And then the league was 
postponed because of the Second World War. <laughs> oh my God, that is actually bad luck. I do actually feel quite bad for them there. Yeah, got to feel sorry for them, haven't you? A little bit. <laughs> right, let's bring it back to a match that happened within our lifetime, Fal. Yeah. Now, we are a big part of Redden's history. Did you know that? No. 3rd of May, 1998. Yeah. It was their final game at their Elm Park home. So over 100 years playing at Elm Park. So obviously an emotional day, the last game of the season. And we were in town. Okay. We were part of the party. And we spoilt the occasion because we won, 1-0. Jeremy Goss. They oh, no, were already Liverpool, re- wasn't it? Sorry. They were already relegated. What's that, Liverpool? Well, Jeremy Goss was the last player to score in front of the old cop, wasn't he? He was, yeah. So we do get involved in um, some of these last day parties, don't we? Yeah. Who was the young scorer for Norwich that day? 98. So, yeah, 1998. I'm... And we talked about him. In Coventry. In the Coventry I am guessing that is a certain Welshman. It is, yeah. Craig Bellamy. Fiery Welshman. Yeah, Craig Bellamy, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, Craig Bellamy scored. We've touched on this many a time, Val, and it's time probably to talk about it in a little bit more depth. But I think Redden's a good example of the debate between old grounds and new grounds. Obviously, they moved to the Majeski Stadium. Yeah. You've been to the Majeski Stadium, you said? I have, yeah. Yeah, to see a defeat. Obviously, living in Redden at the time, I'm very familiar with both grounds. Elm Park, fantastic little ground, very close to the city centre, in a heavily populated suburb of Redden, lots of pubs around, lots of character, lots of atmosphere. The Majeski, it's Junction 13 of the M4. Yep. On a retail park. Yep. <laughs> No pubs. Nope. But the flip side to that is Redden have progressed as a club. So in the days of Elm Park, they were consistently Division 3, Division 4. Yeah. Since they've been at the Majeski, they've pretty much been championship level, had a few seasons in the Premier League. So they have progressed. It's tough, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I mean, fair play to them as well for getting there. Yeah, Majeski Stadium is a serviceable stadium. It's a nice place. But it just doesn't fulfill any of my classic football in stadium criterion does it it's like it's it's out of town there's no pubs near it it's you kind of turn up in your car or on a bus to watch the game then leave in your car or on a bus get sit, sit in the traffic jam for a little while it's not for me and you have yeah. to, i have to agree with your uh with what you're saying about the fact that they've actually they've done pretty well obviously since they've been there so fair play to them yeah now, there was one particular go at the Majeski Stadium that I did enjoy, Foul. The away fans were singing Premier League, were having a laugh. It was the end of the 2003-2004 season, so the Nigel Worthington Championship winners. Yes. And I don't know if you remember the goal, but it was the one that came off the referee's back. Phil Mulryan then swivelled and hit a 25-yarder. So the referee got an assist in that goal. Do you remember it? Did you see it? Whereabouts in the season are we? Is that near the beginning or middle end? No, this is Easter Monday. So this is right near the end. This was the, the win that put us on the brink of promotion. Okay. Uh, no, I, don't, so, basically, I don't remember it, if I'm honest with you. Google it. I will do that. It's a fascinating goal. So I was there in the away end, jumping up and down, yeah. singing Premier League. We're having a laugh. Yeah. Redden were a decent side that season. It was nil-nil, probably going into the last 10 minutes, I'd say. A cross came into the box. The Redden defender 
headed it clear, but he headed it against the referee's back. Right. He was, I don't know, six, seven yards away. So he wasn't that far away. He hit the ref's back, bounced back towards the Redden player. Wasn't expecting it, obviously. Phil Moran was on the, the shoulder of the Redden defender, swivelled and hit it first time into the top corner in sort of one motion. Yeah. We didn't know where that had come from, right. that sort of sequence of fence. You know, it rings a bell now. A couple of things to say about that, obviously. Um, first of all, Phil Moran, what a player he was. You know, I've talked about the sort of midfielders I like, kind of tidy passes, class on the ball, and he had all of that. Also, yeah. you've got that wouldn't be allowed now, would it? It touches the referee. That's well, free kick or drop ball, doesn't it? Now, it's, yeah, that's a, is that a new law? This yeah, season? it's appeared this season, hasn't it? So if it touches the referee, it's um, uncontested drop ball. <laughs> Since when are drop balls contested these days? Well, that's can you it. remember the? Can you remember the good old fashioned drop ball? I remember legs were kicking in, weren't they? The last one I remember was uh, it was in the Premier League for us. It wasn't that long ago. It was, it was under Paul Lambert. It was when Morrison was playing up front for us. I think it's against Swansea, and there was sort of something happened. There's one of those ones where a player had gone down injured. The referee stopped the game, and it's yeah. going to be one of those ones where I think like the Swansea lad was like, "Well, I'll just kick the ball, you know, fifty-five yards from here back to your goalkeeper." And Morrison was like, "No, nah, we're having a proper drop ball. We're, we're fighting for this." That's the last yeah. one I can remember. I can't remember one since. I think health and safety have had nobbled away that one, haven't they? I'm not sure whether I'm a fan of the new rule or not because they always used to say the referee is sort of part of the game isn't he he's, you know he's yeah. on the pitch and it's it's almost like in that very unusual case where the ball hits the goal flag and stays in uh, sorry the corner flag and stays in yeah it doesn't happen that often you just got to take it when it when it happens haven't you i mean i personally don't like it either i mean i think the problem is with var and football fans desire for the perfect decision all the time is an actual fact that football fans desire for all decisions to go their way and a lot of them just look at football and I'm sure we all do just through really biased eyes but actually it's those kind of moments which make the game isn't it the kind of controversies and the little you know dodgy referee decisions and the you know ball coming off a referee or the you know Everyone loves it when a defender shepherds the ball out for a goal kick and it comes off the corner flag and like, oh, now what happens? It's like, it's great, isn't it? It's those little moments. Like, it is. Funny sport's better than good sport, in my opinion. Oh, I like that quote, Phil. Yeah, and that's the one I borrowed from one of my cricket accounts oh, I follow. Oh, I was going to say, you should copyright that, but you pinched it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan either, basically. And also bring back drop Phil- balls. Bring back drop balls. Proper contested, yeah. <laughs> absolute fight for your life kind of drop balls. And bring back... Players going into goal who aren't keepers. Absolute dream ticket, isn't it? Everyone remembers Vinnie Jones at in Newcastle, yeah. don't they? Harry Kane going in goal, wasn't it, for uh, for Tottenham at time? And bring it back, Fal. You're not allowed to have a sub keeper on the bench. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, they don't even look right, do they? No, when they put their gloves on and the shirt never fits, does it? That's why and the shirt the shirt never fits. It's always the no. goalkeeper. The goalkeeper was six foot five, and they always give it to like this, you know, the nippy centre forward who's like five foot eight and sort of hangs <laughs> off him. He looks like a kid in goal, doesn't he? Why put your five foot eight striker in goal as well? That's um, not a, a great decision, is it? No, it's not. No, uh, I agree with you, Phil Marine. Fantastic player, wasn't he? Did you know he's now a priest? I did. Yeah, he's a Catholic priest, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, all around nice bloke as well. He seems like a good guy. Yeah, and he was on. I think he's on one of the one of the other lads' podcast. We talked Norwich City podcast not too long ago. Yeah, comes across really well. Yeah, got a lot of time for Phil Moran, and a really nice yeah. footballer. 
get him on here, Phil. Love to, love to. Final thoughts, Phil. So, Redden were the first team we played in the FA Cup after the 1959 semi-final. We played them in the first round and I think we lost. So, that's some distance to come from a, a semi-final yep. at White Hart Lane to a first round defeat at Elm Park. Yep. Nothing's impossible under Norwich, is it, in no. terms of extremes like that? We already talked a lot about this one, actually. The remarkable 7-1 win under Irvine. Yep. So we won't go into this in any depth. A bizarre result, really. You know, mid-table Norwich, Redden ended up in the playoffs that season. You're not going to get many games like that, are you? No. And I think, like, I agree with what we said about that game. I think it's a combination of us being relaxed, an indication yep. that we probably underachieved that season as well. And what a game. Yep. Bizarre. And we're unbeaten against Redden in the top flight. Did you know that? Well, no, I didn't know but that. But we've only played them twice. Oh, was not that great of achievement. We actually got a very important 2-1 win against Redden towards the end of Chrissy Hewton's second season. Yeah. So you know that... Sorry, his first season. So yep. you know that we talked about this, that really weird season where we ended up actually finishing higher than the Lambert yeah. team. But... With three games to go, we were in relegation trouble. Yeah. One of those games that pulled us clear of the relegation zone was a 2-1 win against Redden. Did you go to that? Yeah, yeah, I was there. I remember that one. I remember it being a really important game. Obviously, it was a really important game. But we actually... So I think they went down that year. Yeah, they did. I think they went down to the bottom place. And so, obviously, that's the sort of game when they came to town. that you, If you want to stay up, you have to win those games. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember it actually being relatively straightforward. I thought we actually outplayed them, actually. I didn't think they looked very good reading that day. Uh, I remember them trying to pass it around a back four and they just couldn't do it and kept passing it out. They didn't look much cup. But yeah, so it wasn't really a drama, that game. And then obviously, we had West Brom was one of the other ones, wasn't it? Where we beat them 4-0. They literally gave up. And, pulled and Man, City, Man City away as well. And that's the thing. And it, it, that's the reason why the, yeah. the season had a bit of a false feel to it, didn't it? Because those three games going into it, we you were in trouble. But actually, we had the home winning against Reading, which was the important one. That one, I think, got yeah. us up to 37 points, from remember rightly. Or 38 points, maybe. Which, statistically, everyone talks about the 40-point mark. But actually, yeah. the, the safety mark's nearer 38 points, isn't it? It's like 37 and a yeah. half is statistically safe. That already got us safe, effectively. And then, obviously, West Brom cemented it. And then Man City was just having a laugh, really, wasn't it? Yeah, and it shows nine points in the Premier League because it's so tight. It, you can move up a lot of places like we did. Exactly. Yeah, it makes a massive difference, doesn't it? So, f- score prediction, foul. They're doing well, aren't they? Yeah. It- they had a cracking start. Then they had four defeats on the trot. But they did win their last game. I know this is... We always say this. We're a bit out of date, aren't we? So, they would have played a couple of times between this record and this episode being published. Yeah, I think they're only a point behind us as we as we speak. It kind of depends. Obviously, at the moment, we're in the midst of our injury crisis. But looking at the team yeah. news today, I'm thinking Hoggill, Clean, Kieran Dowell, obviously Pookie's back now. The other two are not far off. So hoping we get a few more players back by then. I don't know about Kuntia at left back. I'm not really sure what he's doing with his life at the moment. But hoping we get a few more players back. But I still think it's a tough game. I predicted a lot of wins, so I'm going to go 1-1. 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, what should I go for here? I'm always a bit pessimistic when we play Redden. I don't know why. I think it's the factor of living there for so many years. 
Yeah, but I seem to feel we've done pretty well against them in recent times. I can't remember them beating us, really, as of recently. Yeah, I think that 4-0 leaving at half-time has scarred me. <laughs> yeah, it's soured oh. your memory. I do also it remember has. in about, it must have been about, it was towards the end of the Robert Chase era, and I think it was a championship game, and I remember going in at half-time with 3-0 up, and we ended up drawing 3-3, just to add to your doubt as well. Yeah, it does. I'm going to go for a defeat. I'm going to go 3-1. Okay, good. Yeah, sorry to end on that note. Yeah, that's all right. So, Fal, thank you very much. Did you enjoy that one? It was great. Loved it. Always love talking about Reading. I've been there twice. Um, once for football, once for the, the festival. And yeah, it's big, isn't it? Yeah, now it's about yeah. seven or eight years ago. And like all true festival goers, I've still got the wristband on, you know, and it stinks now. No, not really. Um, <laughs> but no, it seems a nice little town, Reading, nice little part of the world. So, but hopefully yeah. we can turn them over. Yeah. And on that note, I'll say goodbye. So thank you very much, Val. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.